What's up, everybody? Good morning, and welcome back to another edition of the show. It is episode 397. We're all the way in November 16th, 2023, and I'm excited about today's show. A couple of strong guests. Uh, let's introduce them, bring them on to the show. Head coach at the University of Pennsylvania, Roger Reyna, and the head coach of the PRTC, Brandon Slay. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. How are you? Good, Mark. Thanks so much for having us. Mark. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I was just kind of saying, the off-camera brand, like it's this, you know, we're getting into the Olympic season, right? Olympic uh, trials, processes, qualifiers are coming up. We're getting into the start of the college wrestling season. So for a wrestling fan, it's like the best time of year. We got, uh, both, we got a freestyle event this weekend. We got a folk style event this weekend that's pertinent to both you guys. Um, I want to start, Roger, with you, though, as we, we're talking about the college season and you know, can you just like college wrestling's changed, right? And in a lot of ways, but as I guess I'm thinking about the way coaches and athletes approach it. You know, you're seeing a lot of the better wrestlers now coming to the nationals with teen, you know, 16, 17 matches, 22, 23 matches, 25, 28 almost seems like high. Whereas in the past, it was like 30, 40, you know, wrestle all you can. Can you talk about how college wrestling has maybe changed? I, I want to say maybe even just the last five years of the approach athletes and coaches are taking to the season, how much they're wrestling. Not, not that they're being selective. Maybe they're being selective. They're just being aware uh, about when they're wrestling and how often. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really good question, Mark. And, and I agree hundred percent. It's, it's changed quite a bit. Um, and I think that, you know, I was talking with some, some other college coaches at, at, uh, Fargo this summer and you know we all can come to the conclusion that you know these guys that are coming into college have a lot more matches under their belt um you know than they did you know 10 15 years ago whatever you know you want to compare it to um and so you know they just got a lot more mileage right and and I think that that's you know one of the factors that goes into it um I think certainly is uh, you know as we think about our training it's a lot different um, again than it was 10 15 20 years ago um, I think there's a lot more sparring, a lot more play wrestling, you know, not as much live wrestling, you know, in our practices. And, and I think it comes back to the, you know, two, two things with that, you know, one is the number of matches and, and kind of the wear and tear guys have, you know, through rigorous, you know, middle school, high school careers, you know, coming into college. Um, and then also just learning, you know, even better ways, you know, to learn the sport and, um, and to learn the in-between positions, you know, which I think sparring really, you know, really helps so much with. So, yeah, a lot of change, a lot of change, how we approach training, a lot of change and change in terms of number of matches. Yeah. And Brandon, I guess similar question on on the freestyle side, you know, it's 23 years since you were competing or, or thereabout, you know, how have things changed? Now you're in a coaching capacity, so you're in the thick of it every day. How have things changed for the way guys are, are, are training, I guess, and competing on the senior level? I think there's there's a lot of things that are same. I mean, you're still clearly you're teaching double legs and single legs and high crotches and defense and all that stuff. But I, f I feel like now there's this extra element of of work you have to do on the edge, just because of the edge of the mat rule. I mean, there's there's x amount of drills we'll do where you get in on a high single leg, right, and you keep your hips low and you push a guy out of bounds. Well, clearly, like Coach Reina, he would, him and his staff would never do that drill in folk style practice, right? So there's specific things we need to do in freestyle to make sure guys are prepared, and and then clearly just the you know the the parterre element, um, you know, use the reference me 23 years ago. 23 years ago, you could only do one gut wrench 
and you had to go get another form of a point before you could do another gut wrench. You could only do one leg lace, right? Or you had to do a gut wrench or tilt them and hold them for a five count before you could do another leg lace. So, you know, nowadays you could take a guy down and get a trapped arm gut, tech him. Nowadays you can take a guy down, transition into a leg lace, right? And tech him, which, you know, you weren't seeing that 23 years ago. There weren't as many tech falls as you see now because, you know, I think parterre is so much a, a bigger part of freestyle wrestling. Um, that's good. And, and I kind of, I'm going to go back to you, Roger. I'm kind of bouncing back between college and, and senior. Uh, another change we've seen on the college level is the, you know, the three point takedown. Um, you, you, you know, you're, you're in the thick of it with college. You've surely seen a little bit of that so far this year. I'm just curious your thoughts on the three point takedown and how you think it impacts college wrestling, if at all. Yeah. Well, I definitely think it does impact, um, I think the you know the race to get to that eight point differential in the major it's uh, it's a little faster race to get there now, you know and so um, you know and, and just different situations you know and we're still learning you know uh, you know best decisions from the corner um, just having one tournament the journeyman under our belt um, but are, are you taken down you know with uh, with a two point lead or not you know is that a, how valuable is that escape right and, and just all different kinds of scoring scenarios. Um, you know, that I think are be are different. But um, as Brandon said, there's a lot that's the same, you know, like we're still, you know, training, uh, you know, double legs, single legs, high crotches, front headlocks and, and ways to score high percentage, um, you know, manner, you know, so um, so I think a lot's the same. But, but I think, the, you know, the biggest thing that I saw this past weekend was the, the capacity to, to get to a major decision. Um, and on the flip side, the capacity, you know, for guys to get back into a match quickly you know, being down, you know, six, seven points. Um, it's a faster, you know, faster way to get back into the match without having to score back points. Um, so I, I'm pretty exciting, actually, to start with, you know. And, you know, well knew the three-point takedown was coming. And was it something, you know, the tactics, such as a two-point lead, am I, am I taking down or am I going up, or different scenarios that could play out? Are these things that you and, and some of the coaches maybe – discussed or hypothesized about before the season or was it is it more like we just gotta let these matches happen and play out and then we're gonna see the effects of 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 the three-point takedown yeah yeah i think it's you know to be honest with you it's a little bit of both you know like you know we're trying to forecast different situations and, and be prepared for them um you know yet at the same time you know we got to see it a little bit in in live action you know to understand the impact our athletes i think the same way too um, you know, they've got to experience it. Um, and, um, and I think that's what we're in process of doing. It's different for the fans. I caught myself yelling two from the corner when it was supposed to be three, right? I caught an official, you know, putting up two instead of three. I think it's, you know, it's brand new and everybody's still getting used to it. But, um, yeah, but we did some, some, some projections. Um, but I think, you know, honest enough to say, hey, you know, we're not yet able to forecast all of the different scenarios yet, yet. I, I caught myself. I was at home watching watching a duel, and somebody got a takedown at college, the last second, and then there wasn't even nobody around. I jumped up and I yelled two, and then I was like, "That's actually oh, it's, it's gonna be this is gonna be tricky." Like rewiring yeah. the brain. Um, and, and I know you, you coached Brandon right in college, and I'm curious, like, when did you notice there was something about him that was different or special, where you thought this guy's He's got something, or there's there's a potential to to do something special. And how do you 
see that in an individual? Hmm. Yeah, so it's an interesting question, and, and I've shared this story a number of times, but um, I was actually out at a tournament, you know, looking at uh, some different uh, potential recruits, and um, and off to the side on this one table um, was an eighth grader, this blonde kid from Texas, and the fur was flying, and, you know, tables were getting knocked over, and there was all kinds of action on the mat, and it just kind of caught my eye. I'm like, who's this kid from Texas, right? And um, so I started tracking Brandon, you know, very early, um, you know, and he had a lot of success in, in Greco and, you know, in the Olympic styles and, you know, saw him go through the, you know, the cadets and the juniors and, and whatnot. Um, but honestly, there was, you know, there was kind of this like, uh, you know, cat-like ability to land on his feet or to, to plane out of throws or just this, uh, you know, kind of kinesthetic awareness, you know, body awareness that, um, had him keep landing on his feet, you know, or in really good position. I was like, wow, this, this guy looks different to me. Brandon, what do you, you know, your, your earlier memories of, of coach Reyna, you know, uh, I don't know about eighth grade, but whenever he <laughs> starts recruiting you or, you know, you get to know him and I'm sure there was plenty of coaches, uh, knocking on your door and recruiting you, but what about him and, and the picture, the program of UPenn stood out to you? Uh, amongst all the other ones. Well, clearly, I don't. I didn't talk to Coach Reina at that tournament he was speaking of because, if I remember right, that was in Billings, Montana, uh, which Coach's mom is from Montana, so he was up visiting family, and we drove from Amarillo, Texas, to Billings, wow. Montana. Um, we, you know, with a bunch of wrestlers from from Texas, and so I remember you know that specific tournament, and and back then it was called the AAU Grand Nationals, and. And if we were going to drive that far, our coach is like, you're wrestling freestyle, Greco, and Sambo. <laughs> and, of course, we didn't even train Sambo, but you'd put a gi on and go out there, right, just try to throw some kid or double-leg some kid to score points. But, you know, that was the tournament I think he was referencing. And, and you know, my, I think, connection to Coach Ray, you know, which was really special, is, is not everybody who recruited me actually took the time to come to Amarillo, Texas, where I'm from. I mean, they would recruit you. They would call you back then. But for somebody to actually, for him to fly from Philadelphia to Amarillo and come see the the environment that I grew up in, that was always really special to me. And then I think for me as well as is that period of time when Penn was recruiting me, you know, they hadn't had an All American, which I think it was about thirty three years, Mark. And so some people are like, well, why the heck would you even look at a school like that mm-hmm. that hadn't had an All-American in 33 years? But, but to me, there, there, was, there was something fascinating about that. that and, and Coach Reina did, I think, a great job of, of, of recruiting me as a, you know, as a senior in high school saying, like, man, you're from West Texas. You know, you're, from, you're from a trailblazing area. I think you have a pioneering spirit. You know, we need somebody to come in here with that type of spirit and want to be the first All-American you know, in 33 years. And I think that was, that was appealing to me because no disrespect to any other program, but if I'd have gone to Lehigh or Penn state, uh, you know, school like that, then if I would become an all American, they would just tap me on the back and like, Hey, you know, you did your job. Good job. You're one of you're amongst hundreds. Right. But Penn, it just, it wasn't the case. And so that was appealing to me uh, of, of wanting to be a first in a long time, but you know, at, that, in addition to having the opportunity to go to an Ivy League school, which I was the first person from my family on either side to graduate from college. So, like, aiming big, <laughs> that was appealing to me. 
And then I wanted to major in business. And so uh, getting accepted to the Wharton School of Business was really appealing to me. And then I think also was really appealing to me is on my recruiting trip, you know, Coach Reina was, was wise. And on my recruiting trip, we drove out to Foxcatcher. And, you know, one of my heroes was Dave Schultz. I watched him win the gold medal and, on TV in 1984 in Los Angeles. And so I walk into Foxcatcher and there's Dave, one of the very first people I meet. As Dave Schultz walks up, shakes my hand and said, hey, you know, I really hope you consider coming to Penn. I'd, I'd look forward to training with you. <laughs> so, you know, having the opportunity to go to Philly again, be a trailblazer, Ivy League degree, Wharton School of Business, oh, and get a chance to train with one of the best wrestlers of all time. I think all that together, Mark, was just, um, it, it was just really clear that Penn was the best place for me. I mean, having, Roger, having, having, uh, uh, Dave Schultz in your back pocket. I don't know <laughs> whether it was in cahoots, but having him, uh, you know, give that pitch or, you know, even just being right there had to be awesome. Yeah, Dave, uh, just an incredible guy. Anybody that crossed paths with him had the pleasure of getting to know him and meet him. Um, he was uh, obviously an incredible wrestler and, and, you know, masterful technician, but also just a, just a wonderful human being. And, um, and he took interest in our program, and he was helpful. You know, a number of the Foxcatcher guys, you know, came on at various times as assistant coaches as well. So Danny Shade wrestled at Oklahoma, and, and um, you know, Brian Dolph was a longtime assistant coach. Um, actually, you know, obviously, at Brandon, and he met in the Olympic trials, right, in the finals of the Olympic trials. And, and Trevor Lewis, who still works at the university here, the 11-time, you know, U.S. Open All-American, just – you know, a high number of guys that were training at a very high level. And, and we happened to be, you know, in the neighborhood, you know, where Foxcatcher was. So, um, but yeah, obviously Dave, super special, super special guy. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk a little more senior freestyle. And I know you just, I think Brandon, you took a couple guys over, over to Kazakhstan, uh, McKenna and Burroughs, Jordan down at 74, almost making scratch. But, you know, uh, whether or not this was anything, that you guys ever discussed in the, the wrestling fandom and the media and, you know, people who just like to talk and hypothesize. It was like, you know, should Jordan consider going up to 86, right? And I'm just curious if that was ever, though that discussion even ever got broached or if it was like not even anything that needed to be discussed because he's 74 and, and that's that. No, we discussed it. I would say we, we didn't discuss it for more than, I would say less than an hour total. Okay. Maybe, you know, it, maybe it was shorter than that. But I, I think it was just, it's wise to throw everything on the table and analyze it. And so you discuss it from the aspect of clearly Jordan bumped up and he, and he wrestled Zahid, who was just third in the world at 92 kilos, right? Beat him. Yeah. Um, he wrestled David Taylor, who David Taylor's David Taylor, an Olympic champion, multiple time world champion, 86 kilo. And if I remember right, he lost four to four, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, so did, did he, has Jordan proven that he wrestle with bigger guys, you know, that are world champs, Olympic champs, world medalists? The answer is yes. I mean, he, he can wrestle with those guys. But I think what we landed on is that the goal isn't just to make the Olympic team. You know, the goal is to be an Olympic champion. He's been Olympic champion before. Um, 2016, clearly the Rio didn't go as well as he wanted it to. You know, he wants 2021 making the team didn't go as well as he wanted to. And, and thank God he's still healthy enough and still has the ability to wrestle at this level as a 35-year-old that he wants to go back and, 
and make the team at Paris and win another Olympic gold medal. So the goal isn't just to make the, the Olympic team. The goal is to be Olympic champion. And where we landed on that the best place, the best opportunity for him to be Olympic champion, um, all things considered, was at 74. And, yeah, he's gonna ha- he was going to have to bring his weight down from 79 kilo. But everybody knows Jordan. He didn't carry a lot of fat. It's not like some, he was some ginormous 79 kilo guy. He just needed to get back, you know, disciplined to get his weight down to 70, you know, 74. And he's done that. So, uh, I mean, looking at him, uh, he's a 74 kilo guy. And when there's, you know, 10 weight classes and, and there's an opportunity to go with 79, right? He chose to do that and won two world titles at 79 kilo. But now the 79 kilo is not an option. So you either have to choose 74 or 86. And, and we decided to choose 74. Was going to Kazakhstan at 74... Uh, was that decision as much about making weight and seeing how you feel as it was about getting the matches in? I think it was a combination of both. And and you and I, we, we've talked before, the silver lining of, of not making the world team this last summer at Final X was that Jordan could start the process of getting his weight down sooner. You know, if he, if he makes the world team and goes to wrestles in Serbia and wins another world title – he probably wouldn't have started focused on getting his weight down until probably, I would say, the middle of October. And that would have been too late to make, you know, weight, make 74 kilos for Kazakhstan or clearly the Pan Am Games. But the fact that, you know, he didn't make it, the silver lining was he started earlier, he started being disciplined to get his weight down, and then he had plenty of time. He had plenty of time to get his weight down to be able to go wrestle in November in Kazakhstan and and so, yes, part of it was to get the weight down, but another part of it was to get matches. I mean, as we know, you know, whether you're 25 or 35, sometime during the year you need to compete because as a coach athlete, it's the best time to get feedback is when you watch somebody compete. I mean, you can, you can, they can compete in the wrestling room. You can wrestle matches on Friday and Jordan and Mark Hall can wrestle and I can give feedback. That there's something different about flying to Kazakhstan making weight right and wrestling against a bunch of guys from Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. There's something different about it. So, you know, the other part of it was to be able to get, you know, get matches in and to continue to get better at wrestling. How was that tournament? Like I know Jordan won, Joey won, he beat, beat Yanni. That, yeah. That's really big for him, but uh, not just the tournament, the experience. Cause we, I think we talked about this time last year and you, you I remember some story about hit not, I don't think you hitchhiked a ride, but I think you found a ride to the airport six hours away. You drove through the middle of the night. They stopped you in their little town. You thought you were going to miss your flight. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, any any international, I don't know about shenanigans, but, you know, anything stick out from this trip, maybe aside from just the wrestling? Well, thankfully, because we went last year, we were able to build some good friendships and relationships yeah. and have some experience of what we were dealing with. And the people were just phenomenal to us, just very serving, um, very hospitable to us. And anytime we needed a ride, need to go to the grocery store, anywhere we needed to go, um, they were just very hospitable. It's a great situation in Taraz, Kazakhstan. They have a they have a nice little Olympic training center there where you literally it's similar to Olympic training center. You have a nice room. You stay really close to the wrestling room, really close to the cafeteria where you eat. So that was all um, nice. But because we went last year, I knew this year that. When we got this ride back to the airport, I made it extremely clear that there's not, I don't want to stop at anybody's house on the way, right, and have some big, you know, meal of horse meat, you know, and, and camel milk on the way home. So, you know, I made it really clear this year that we wanted to go directly to the airport. 
glad to hear that. But, you know, great tournament. I think back to your question is that Joey, I think, had 23 guys from Kazakhstan in his weight class. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, when you wrestle in Uregan and you have 25 guys from Russia in your weight class, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which typically what happens. You know, Joey's weight class, he had 33 guys, him and Yanni. Um, they had 23 guys from Kazakhstan. And then again, you think just like regionally, Kazakhstan, um, China brought a team, Uzbekistan brought a team, and then clearly a lot of guys from Kazakhstan. Yeah. Great and tournament. The performances. What, what were your takeaways with Joey and, and Jordan? Uh, obviously what they did well or maybe small holes that you saw where things you're like, oh, that's good to see this so we can work on X, Y, or Z. Yeah, I think Jordan, I was I was actually really impressed with his his energy level and his movement and his ability to wrestle throughout full matches and score a bunch of points. You know, you think, well, you get down to scratch weight for the first time. How's he going to feel? Is he going to kind of hold back a little bit? Is he going to win some close matches? And I would say, no, he opened it up. He scored lots of points. He got he got a lot of turns. Um, his parterre, I thought, we'd opened up in his parterre, which looked great. So I was really I was really pleased with him. And then I think he also just showed, you know, he showed um, poise, especially in the finals, because, you know, that guy he wrestled, you know, that guy's beat a lot of tough guys, and he got taken down and turned right off the bat. He's down 4-0, right? Then he comes back in Texan. So, you know, he didn't get rattled. I mean, he was a pro in the finals, and he handles himself really well. And then I think Joey, Joey got second this tournament last year. He lost the Mongolian in the finals. We were hoping the Mongolian um, Tomir Achir would be coming back, but he wasn't. And then, you know, for Joey to to be able to get a big win over Yanni and then clearly to, to win a gold medal in the tournament after getting second last year, I think that was that was great progress for Joey. And, for, you know, for Joey, Joey – if you study his his wrestling, he typically gets a medal in every tournament he wrestles in, and clearly he wants to get a gold more often. So for him to 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 bring home the gold this year was was exciting. Yeah, is there any part of Jordan like I I believe, and I I, I you know most people probably assume this is it, right? Twenty twenty four, it's probably going to be the end of the line, win, lose, or draw for for Jordan Burroughs. Is there any part that's like? feels like that senior in college who's you know is not going on to the senior <laughs> level who's taking it in enjoying the experiences and really like just trying to trying to live it all yeah i would say um as a coach just personally for me i haven't i haven't closed the door on his okay opportunity to continue to wrestle after paris just because i watch him wrestle every day and I, I don't think one more year it, it, things are going to change that much because he does such a fantastic job being disciplined with his diet, um, stretching, taking care of himself. Like he, he's, again, disciplines is, I think, his number one gift. And he's taking care of his body. And, and thankfully, there hasn't been, you know, God forbid, any major like shoulder surgeries, you know, knee surgeries, things like that that are holding him back. And I would just say that I haven't closed the door totally on that. But just like any of my guys, my other five guys, the six total guys I coach, the PRTC, you know, you have 10 units of energy that you can use um, to focus on big things. And what I don't want to do is, is use one or two units of energy thinking about 2025, 2026, right, L.A. Because, I mean, we have the Bill Farrell this weekend, Senior Nationals in December yeah. uh, to qualify for the Olympic trials, ranking series tournament in January, potentially Yasar Dagu. Um, in early March, and then clearly the Olympic trials in April. So we need to use all 10 units of energy to focus on that. 
All right. Uh, coming up, I think it's this weekend, right? The P P. It's the PRTC's Keystone Classic. Roger. Um, <laughs> explain to me. You know, like you you have the the PRTC sponsoring the college tournament and, and the benefits and, and why that's a good thing. Yeah. So you know, last year was the first year the the PRTC played as host to the uh, to the Keystone Classic. This is the twenty seventh year we're running the Keystone Classic. Um, and we thought a couple things about it. We thought it would be, um, you know, great for the community, um, you know, to have more access and, and, um, and know what the PRTC is all about. Um, you know, one of our, our core values for Penn Wrestling is community matters. And, um, you know, the PRTC serves, um, you know, not only the senior level guys, um, Jordan and Joey and, and uh, the other four guys, but the college guys as well, both Penn and Drexel's program you know, as well as the high school uh, athletes that qualify for RTC participation within a 250 mile radius. Um, one of the things we're, we're super excited about is that, you know, we've got our first guy who started in the high school program from Downingtown West. His name is Doug Zaff. And then he came to the University of Pennsylvania um, and participated, continued to, to compete with the PRTC in the Olympic styles through college. Um, and then won a U23 national title um, this past June and just uh, competed at the U23 Worlds, placed in fifth, and helping the team USA's performance there. So super cool to see someone come up, you know, through every step, you know, um, every developmental age group, you know, with the PRTC. So with the tournament, you know, being hosted by the PRTC, I think more people, the fans, you know, that come and watch and, and support, you know, our team and all the other teams can better understand, you know, that the PRTC is really out there serving serving others at all age groups you know, both locally and, and around the world. So um, so we're really excited about that. Um, you know, it provides an opportunity um, to showcase. Last year, you know, we had a, a clinic uh, that Jordan put on and, and you couldn't fit another kid in the room, right? It was just awesome. <laughs> you know, anybody that had a ticket to the, to the PRTC uh, Keystone Classic could come and participate in that clinic. And that one image was just like, look at the impact here on the local community and it was uh it was fantastic and we're, we're gonna do something a little bit different this year but we're gonna do an autograph session with the prtc senior athletes jordan will be there um and all the others and um and so uh, again access to the senior level guys and hopefully inspire kids um you know from the surrounding region to think about what they could do um committing to the sport and you know that includes the beat the streets kids you know here in philadelphia and and the surrounding 250 mile radius, everyone that's involved. So, uh, so I think it's just a great brand building, community building awareness for the PRTC. Yeah, and I think what you guys are doing with the PRTC is phenomenal. Um, I didn't even put that together. Zap's like the first guy to come through at each level. <laughs> so that that that's, that's exciting. Uh, another question, Roger, is you know with the Keystone class, you guys have some you know a few, a few weights where you're, you're kind of deep, right? And maybe there's not a clear cut starter or at least you know maybe you have in your head maybe you don't will will this tournament potentially serve as a measuring stick right we know wrestle offs may or may not count or determine who your starter is are, are you going to use any data from from the keystone classic to potentially you know outfit your lineup yeah yeah you're spot on on both of those counts mark we we do use this tournament um you know as an evaluation for for team selection um and we do have um you know, spots that are up for grabs, you know, with our team. And um, I just, I give a big shout out and a salute to the, to the guys that graduated this past year from Penn, Doug Zaff included, 
uh, Carmen Ferrante and Ben Golden and Anthony Artelona. They were in our, our very first recruiting class when I came back and took the program over. And, you know, back to the pioneer pioneering spirit that Brandon talked about, we needed another round of pioneers. And, and those guys came in and, and really elevated the program, you know, back up into the top 20 and breaking into the top 15 in the, in the NCAA. And, and our sites are even higher. So, you know, we've got now um, some openings, you know, with a, a large number of guys that graduated this past year. We actually had 10 seniors graduate this past year. Um, so it created openings for, for leadership. We've got three new captains. Uh, so Lucas Ravano, who dropping down from 165 to 157. Um, we've got Nick Contrera, who's just been looking awesome. He, uh, he was third at the U23 Nationals back in the spring and um, a junior just doing a terrific job. And we've got returning uh, All-American C.J. Composto at 141. So those are our tri-captains. Um, but we like to use the Keystone um, to evaluate for, for team selection. Um, and, uh, and the journeyman this past weekend. So we do do wrestle-offs, and, and we hold them in the palestra as well. Um, but when we get outside competition into the mix, you know, we've got common opponents that we can, you know, assess um, you know, how guys are doing against common opponents. Those are all really important factors too. So, um, so we'll continue that process, you know, through um, our hosting of, of Iowa. We'll need to pick, obviously, our 10 starters when we host Iowa December 1st in the palestra and we're super excited to have the Hawkeyes here. Um, and then we'll send guys, a bunch of guys to the Patriot open down at George Mason in December and then the Midlands. Um, and then by, by that point we expect, um, you know, the lineup should be pretty clear. Uh, one, you graduated 10, you graduated 10, 10 guys last year. That I feel like that's more than your typical senior class. So that's hats off to you guys keeping 10 guys in a program and, and, and graduating amazing. And then, man, when you, when you start going through the season, you know, Iowa and the Patriot open, then like Midlands, I'm like, wow, we just started and feels like Midlands is going to be tomorrow. And that means that second <laughs> semester goes like that. So rest of the season just started, but gosh, you know, it almost feels like we're getting to the end, but, but Brandon back, back to freestyle, you know, it's, you got the Bill Farrell coming up this weekend. You got senior nationals. It's it's an Olympic year, and I know I asked the question about Jordan and maybe his last year, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But the similar question to the Olympic year: Is there something, and maybe as a competitor and now as a coach, is there just a little extra feel to it, or a little extra vibe in the air or the room when you know what's on the line, and you got ten weights coming down to six, and and. And, you know, the U.S. opens now in December instead of April, and you got trials in the spring. Do, do, is there just a little different vibe to an Olympic year? I think there is. I think there's um, an elevated um, sense of urgency and excitement. And I think how you manage that mentally is really important. Because if you manage the sense of urgency and excitement by adding a bunch of extra pressure on yourself, it could be problematic. But if you manage that that sense of urgency and the extra excitement with uh, increased um, love for the sport, right, an opportunity to continue to go out there and do what you love to do, and, and I think uh, um, just a stronger desire to do everything right, right, just meaning just like are you taking care of your body, are you stretching, or how you're how are you feeling your body, are you recovering appropriately, you know, when you go into bed, just all those things, like. As far as your strength program, are you clicking on all cylinders? Are you doing your foot speed drills, you know, with your foot speed coach? Just all these different things. Like technically, 
<clears throat> coming back from Kazakhstan, what were the areas we did well? Let's make sure that we embrace those. We continue to, to get better at mastering those. What are the areas that you need to work on? So I think it just, it, it kind of starts just um, kind of narrowing your gaze and your focus on what needs to get taken care of. Now, you're always that way. You should be that way if you want to be a world champion the years before. But I think the Olympic year makes you um, even more focused on the task at hand. Sure. And and the last thing, and, it, and it's a question for both of you, and I don't care who answers first. But, you know, we, we started this by talking about, you know, Roger, you we've changed and we change we train differently and there's more sparring and less live and the kids kids are better and and um as, as we all go through life and and in this case you guys coaching we're getting better and learning which means we're there's things we did before that aren't as good and like i'm wondering about the mistakes you've made as coaches right and looking back like what are some of the bigger mistakes you've made and maybe how you've learned from them over the years whether it's training or recruiting or peaking or uh, you know how you handle kids personalized it can be anything but like thinking back over the course of your career what are like oh i i mishandled this situation or i just didn't do things right the earlier in your career probably the more mistakes you're going to make but can you think of like uh, what, some of the bigger mistakes or a big mistake that you learned from in your career as a coach and either of you wants to go first that's fine by me yeah. coach go ahead I've got one Brandon so you know and I'll just uh, we actually had an, uh, an alumni um, you know kind of uh, state of the program zoom last night and I got asked this question so I'm kind of teed up Mark you know right. what did we learn from last year <laughs> um, and I think that you know <sighs> it's kind of relearning for me how every team is different. Every year is different, you know, and you might have the majority of the, you know, the, the starters back, you might have returning captains, you may not. Um, but no matter what, you know, when some people leave an organization and new people come in, it's a different team automatically. You know, even if, you know, the coaching staff, one person changes, it's a different coaching staff. And so, you know, I'll just share that, you know, two years ago, you know, as we, we kind of came out of COVID and, and really broke into to the national rankings, our team had very specific outcome-oriented goals. And we knew where we wanted to place, you know, at, you know, we wanted to win the Keystone. We wanted to place, you know, in the top two at the Midlands. You know, we wanted – and we had very specific goals, and we knew how to get there. And even down to here, – here's the bonus point targets that we need to hit, you know, to win these tournaments or to place where we want to at these tournaments, including the Easterns, including the NCAAs. And they had very specific outcome-oriented goals. And we w went through that year, this is two years ago now, we checked off, you know, along the way, you know, every one of those goals. And uh, confidence just continued to grow. And it was really inspiring to the team. We had them listed in a locker room, posted in a locker room, and we were checking them off as we went. And guys were just feeling great. So we took a very similar approach last year, and with a, we had 10 returning NCAA qualifiers, right? So naturally we thought, hey, you know, we want to up the game here, and we want to go even higher and bigger, and, and we started um, again with that same kind of, like, logic of we, if we want to finish here in these various tournaments, you know, here's what we're going to need to accomplish, number of place winners, number of bonus points, et cetera. But it didn't really work for last year's team. That same formula for two years ago, didn't didn't apply well to last year's team and we were still performing at a pretty high level um you know we got eight of our 10 guys to the ncaa tournament we were you know we had 
you know, dual meet wins over nationally ranked teams and, you know, holding in the rankings. But it still it wasn't an inspiring performance. It was we put more pressure on that team last year. And um, so learning from that, you know, we came into this year, you know, with the leadership and with our staff saying, you know, we're going to we're going to go back to process, you know, and, and what's the process of how we want to train? What's the process of how we want to act as a team? What's our culture look like? You know, and when we're competing, what's that look like? Let's focus on that process. Let's not focus on the results so much. So, um, so I'll share that as a mistake and hopefully a learning that, that applies well to this team. So far, the, the vibe of our team has just been outstanding this year. Yeah, it's a great example. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yep. Brandon, you got anything? Are you flawless? <clears throat> yeah, you know what? That was really good. I think in, in, in short, I would just say that I, I knew this already as a wrestler and as a coach, but I would say I – I've failed in not making it as important in the last couple of years is when, when I say mental health, what I mean is, is, is that I think my guys, they all know how to wrestle. Like they, they know how to shoot single legs and double legs and they know how to turn guys. It's not them become an Olympic champion. I don't believe it's, it's really some new technique I'm going to show them. I don't think that's the difference. I think for these guys at this level, they've had so much experiences on the world stage I think the main difference is where their where their mind is, how they're managing expectations, um, the, the self talk that they have, you know, what they're visualizing, you know, off the mat, uh, how they communicate with each other as a team and as a culture. I would say that to me, I've, I've realized that that's I knew it's important, but it's more important than I thought it was. And, you know, looking back on the last couple of years, I think I've done some of that. But as a coach, I need to do an even better job of making sure that the mental health, um, this, the, this, the confident mind, confident mind that these guys have, it, it needs to be encouraged and managed um, and fostered um, even more so. Man, I think you hit the nail on the head, Brandon. I think uh, between the ears is – like you said, we all know singles and doubles and, and everything else, but yeah, you really well put, you know, like I'll give an example. It's, it's, and he shares his example. So, so it's not, I'm not sharing something he hasn't shared, but you know, I've been, I've been with Jordan in the tunnel about to walk out and wrestle the Iranian for the world title. And he's like, looked at me and said, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm scared. You know, I'm, I'm nervous right now. And of course you're about to go out and wrestle the Iranian for the world title. And Jordan Burroughs, who has clearly, lots of success in the past it is telling you like that's what he's feeling that just goes to show if he's feeling that everybody feels that you know lots of wrestlers feel that so how are you going to manage that appropriately and um you know i think i think the key to that is just to make sure i've been sharing this with my guys is that look when you have those feelings that's natural that's the way our body was created when you're about to go out there on the mat it's it's time to fight right there's fight or flight and we know that we're not going to run away. We're not going to run back to the hotel, right? So we're going to fight. So that just means your body is basically telling you like, hey, I'm getting ready to fight. And it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to have those butterflies. It's okay that you feel like this. There's anxiousness and nervousness. That's basically saying, hey, your body is by design is getting ready to fight. And so embracing that, saying this is a great thing. This is a good thing. I'm glad I feel this way. Because if I didn't feel this way, that would be a whole nother problem. And I think embracing that and then just reminding guys that they've been there and done that, 
you've been here before, you've managed this successfully, and you're going to do it again. Uh, and again, that's mental. That that does not have anything to do with how fast your 40 time is, how much you bench press, right? It has nothing to do with that. How many pull-ups you can do without stopping, that's all in your head. Brandon, I haven't wrestled in I don't know how long, but you like just got me back in that like feeling of I'm getting ready to go from that <laughs> from that story you shared because that's from fifth grade through high school and college. It's like it's the same and to Jordan Burroughs at the highest level. Um, it's it's cool to hear that you know from a guy like you about a guy like him, and hopefully anybody hearing listening to this is like, okay, it's not so weird that I feel this way, fight or flight, like body's telling you it's time to fight this is how it feels so thanks for sharing that yeah. that was great yeah no problem i remember i remember being at midlands one time this is a fun i don't get a chance to do many things with coach reina so on yeah. this topic just Let's one thing is that i remember i said the same thing to him one time in midlands i think i was a sophomore maybe um and it was one of the bigger tournaments i'd ever wrestled in and if I remember right, that particular bracket I was in, it had eight NCAA champions in it. So it was a pretty tough bracket. And when I was in, I was, I was about to go out on the mat, and I remember telling him, like, hey, I'm, um, wow, man, like, I'm, I'm really nervous right now. And I said, I've, you know, I've got those butterflies in my stomach. And I'll never forget is they end up saying, hey, it's, it's okay to have butterflies. You just got to make sure they're flying in formation. That's what he told me. <laughs> Which I'll never forget that, which it's like, it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to have butterflies. You just got to make sure that this energy, right, this feeling you have, you got to make sure that that you're managing it successfully and it's not going all over the place, right? Because that's when it's a problem. I think that's when wrestlers fail, when the, the butterflies are not flying in formation. <laughs> and that, that goes back to what you, you know, what you said with Jordan, just how to and the, the the mental health part that you you said just just getting all this in the right place at the right time and all moves forward together so um yeah it's it's been a it's been a good time talking with you guys um and you know we got Bill Farrell this weekend uh, uh PRTC's Keystone Classic this weekend you got wrestling Iowa here coming soon US Senior Nationals uh the wrestling season is upon us and it's super exciting it's an Olympic year so even more to it, guys. I want to thank you so much for coming on and uh, wish you guys the best of luck in, in your college and senior level seasons. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. Having yeah, yeah. Have a great day. Uh, and that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to Coach Reyna and Coach Slay. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy the wrestling season. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.